In week one, we talked about the difference between the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want to encourage you to go to our website and uh, listen to these sermons. Uh, you can see the notes and all that and, and listen to them. But the tree of life versus the tree of knowledge of good and evil really talks about two different brands of Christianity. You've got the brand of Christianity where you've got to like, be good enough, right? You, know, you hear people say, well, I'm going to clean up, then I'm going to come to church. That's not what, that's not what Christianity is. It's like we come to church and let God clean us up, all right? He, he, he's good at scrubbing us clean. That's why we show that, that uh, video with the chisel sometimes. He chisels that stuff off of us and, and all. But uh, the tree of life is grace, where, where you just see Jesus with his arms open, and he's, he's waiting on us. The second week, we talked about learning how to live a crucified life, where I crucify my desires, and it's no longer I who live, but Jesus that lives in me. The third week, we talked about living in grace, how, how uh, you know, we, we live in grace. Grace is how we're saved, but we live in that grace, and that grace draws us to continue to follow Jesus. You know, it kind of changes the why we do things. You know, instead of, instead of being over here in the tree of knowledge of good and evil, being on the uh, little hamster wheel trying to be good enough for God, I'm doing good things because of what God's done in my life. And, uh, and so there's a difference in, in, in the why of what everything. And then last week we talked about living in relationship with God, that we're no longer slaves, or a week before last we talked about how we're no longer slaves, but we're sons, we're daughters. You know, and uh, I told you the story about when we went to eat at one restaurant, you know, and, and, and you tell the employees, they close in five minutes early. You go walk in there with five, six people, it's getting close to closing them, I'm sorry, we're closed. Did that in one restaurant, and the owner chased us out in the parking lot. No, come on in. There's about eight of us, you know. And, uh, and so he wanted, he wanted a business. So we're sons. We're heirs of everything that Jesus has and not uh, slaves. And last week we talked about how to walk in the Spirit. Well, we walk with the leading of the Spirit. Now, tonight we're going to get back under the law, but we're going to get under the law of Christ. We're going to talk about the law of Christ. So write that in, the law of Christ. And and let me, let me just read this verse to you. It, uh, it starts here. It says, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me and has also died. And so uh, what Paul's saying here is that his life is no longer centered on what he wants, on, on living up to a code. He is living 100% following the Lord, and, and uh, he said, even because of the cross, I've even lost interest in what's going on here, and now this is a journey, you know, that we're in, this, this faith journey that we call it, and, and uh, what happens when we get saved is, you know, for a while we feel great, right, I mean, anybody, you first get saved, oh, it feels good, everybody's happy, you go to a three-hour Bible study, and now y'all looking at your watch already, but, you know, I mean, then we get back into trying to earn God's approval, and, you know, you get saved by faith, and you're just like, I mean, you're singing the songs and, you know, and, and all that. And then, then you start trying to earn it again and trying to be good enough and, and get God's approval. And then you get burned out, you know. At first, you love coming to church. And, and then, oh, man, we've got to go to church. And you get back to trying to earn it. And, and listen, when you try and earn something that's been given to you for free, the result is a roller coaster relationship with the Lord. It's going to go up and down. And, uh, and so what we want when you come to River Church, I want you to walk in here 
We want you to walk in here and feel refreshed and free and loved. And uh, we want you to know that. And, and I believe if you'll, if you'll do that, if you'll walk in the tree of, the, of life, God will lead you. If you'll come in here, God will lead you. And if, if, and if you, if you will, will walk in that, that tree of life, God's going to refresh you. He's going to renew you. And uh, you'll want to serve. And you'll want to give. And you'll want to follow. You know, and so uh, that's why, you know, we're going to, we do things that'll help, like 21 days of prayer that's coming up. I'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But to write this down, to experience freedom, I don't have to, I get to. I don't have to, I get to, I don't have to come to church. I get to come to church. I don't have to read my Bible in the morning. I get to read my Bible in the morning. I don't have to tithe or give. I get to tithe. And give. I don't have to go talk about my faith. I get to share my faith. You see, there's a difference. We don't have to do anything. We get to go do it. It's a different perspective. That's what freedom does. As we finish this, this study, Paul has another thing to teach. I'm going to back up into chapter 5 for a second. And he says this, For you have been called to live in freedom. Underline that. You've been called to live in freedom. He said, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Now, he's waited five chapters before he starts talking about serving. Why? Because he wanted to give us a theological underpinning of what grace is, of what living in grace is, and, and not being on this hamster wheel, but living in the tree of life. He wanted to give us that good foundation and then he's going to talk about serving because the why is different. And the why is different. He said, he said, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up with this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so love is the, is the motivation. Love is the guiding force of everything that we do. Galatians 6.2, Paul said this. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey Underline it, the law of Christ. Underline uh, that the law of Christ. We're obeying the law of Christ, the law of love, uh, you know, when, we, when, we're, when we're sharing each other's burdens. I mean, Jesus said it like this. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. I mean, that's an important command. Jesus didn't say, hey, look, I'm giving you a new commandment. Memorize the whole New Testament when it's written. He didn't say, I'm giving you a new commandment, never ever miss church, although it's a good thing not to miss church. He didn't say, hey, I'm giving you, he said, love each other, just like I loved you. Now, that gets hard, because, I mean, he died for us, right? He died for us, and, uh, and so that's, that's big. So when we experience God's love, listen, when you experience God's love, when you really experience it, when you realize what forgiveness feels like, when you realize that you no longer have to walk in shame. Uh, you know, when, when, you've, when you've experienced that, it gets easy to love other people. Because, you see, when, when we live in freedom, and you've been set free even from trying to be good enough, you've been set free from all that shame and, and your old way of living, you've been set free from that, man, love's going to come into you and it's just going to bubble out. And it's going to overflow. And it's going to run out. And, and, uh, and so let me tell you, it, you know, it's a good thing. And, and here's the good deal. When you get excited about something, what do you do? You talk about it. You talk about it, right? 
I mean, you know, it, it's not like a pastor that skipped church one time and went and played golf and he hit a hole in one. And he just looks up at God and says, yeah, I can't even tell anybody about it. You know I mean? You know, and so, you know, but you want to tell people about it. Now, you know, if, if you had to cure the cancer, you'd sure be able to share it, wouldn't you? Now, if you won the Powerball, you might not tell anybody. I don't know, but, um, you know, when you're passionate about something, you want to tell it. I mean, all of y'all come up. You find a good restaurant, and we, we're excited about it. What? And so you want to go, some, when you're telling me about a restaurant, I want to go try it. You know, and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you, because it's, it's, when we're passionate about something, we want to share it and, and listen, when we, when we, it's contagious and when we get free and we, when we have the love of God flowing in us, it just comes out and we'll want to share it. And, uh, and so when we're passionate about stuff, we share it, it becomes contagious and it makes a difference. So serving, serving God is not about what we do, I might even drop this down, it's not, you know, it's not about what we do, but it's about how we love. It's not about what we do, but it's how we love. That's what serving God is. It's how we, we just love people. So when we show love to others, it becomes contagious. And, and you know what's going to happen? People are going to want to know what you have. People are going to want to know what's different about you. It's not about what you know because you, you quote scripture all day. You can quote the law. You can, you can be religious, and I don't want any of that. But, man, you start loving on somebody, guess what? They want some of that. I mean, they're, you know, they, they want some of that. And, uh, and so, listen, we, we want to live to make a difference. And that's what, what Paul's talking about in this chapter. So look at verse 10 of chapter 6. He says this. Therefore, whenever we have an opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Well, to do good. Anytime we have an opportunity, we should do good to everyone. And then look what he says. Especially to those in the family of faith. He, he's saying, guys, if we can't be nice to each other in this room... How are you going to be nice to anybody out there? It's, it's got to start somewhere. He said, and so, uh, you know, we, we are to do good to everyone. We want you to be able to live uh, with how you can, uh, we want you to learn how to live with how you can use your freedom to impact other people and, uh, and how you can live to make a difference on a, on a regular basis. So I want to give you a, a few things here real quick. Number one, write this down, identify your sphere of influence. Identify your sphere of influence. Listen, all of us have people in our lives. And, uh, you know, and, and, and this message may or may not be for you. The message Sunday may or may not have been for you. The message next week may or may not be for you. It might be for somebody you work with. It might be for somebody in your family. It might be for somebody you're going to run into this week. Uh, but you, you've got a sphere of influence, and God wants you to reach those people. I can't reach the world. But I can reach a few people who will reach a few people who will reach a few people. And so we've all got a sphere of influence. You're put in a, in a place at your work uh, there to make a difference. And, uh, and, and so look what uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, 13. He said, but we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God has assigned us. Assigned to us. You see, God has assigned each one of us an area of influence. You've got family, extended family. Some of you work. You've got people at work that you work with, that you have some influence with. And uh, it may not be great influence. You might not be their boss, but you have influence with. And let me tell you, when you claim to be a Christian, they're watching. They're watching. Then you, you've got 
You've got people maybe at your kids' or grandkids' parks where you're going to watch sports. You've got, you've got people in your sphere of influence that God has assigned to you. And, uh, you know, hey, listen, I mean, you know, some of y'all may be thinking, well, I've, I've just got crazy people in my sphere of influence. Well, guess what? You might be the perfect person for all those crazy people. God's put you there. He's trusted you with it. So what, what are some people? Look, look, here's some areas of, of influence. One is your people. That's your, write these down. This isn't in your notes, but it's, it's your people. It's your family, your close friends, all, all of that. Your place uh, might be your school, work. Uh, you know, God's placed you there for ministry. With the help of the Holy Spirit, you can make a difference in both of these. The third is your passions. We've all got areas of interest, right? We've got areas of interest. My little brother loves to do bees, honeybees and stuff. And, and he goes to these bee meetings and all that. And he's able to be an influence in those areas. And, and so we've all got these. God's placed you where he has placed you for a reason. There's somebody there at where you're working. There's somebody there where you're going to school. There's somebody where you are might be where you walk, it might be where you exercise or whatever, that God's put you there for a reason. I mean, he, God is sovereign, and he, and he moves this stuff together. In, in Acts 17, 26, it says, From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. Yeah, I mean, you know, y'all know what? God loves y'all more than he loves some other people because he puts you down here where the food is so good in southeast Louisiana. I mean, there are people that would love to come down here and eat what we get to eat on a regular basis. I mean, you go up to the northwest. It's bland out there, y'all. I mean, they don't know how to eat. Uh, in the middle part of this country, no wonder they're so, I mean, you know, it's like crazy up there. But see, he's put you here. He's determined where you're living, all right? So God's trusted you with the people he's put in your life. He's trusted you with the places. You know, like I said, he's, he's put those crazy people in your life because you might just, you might be one of the crazy people in their life. I don't know, but he, he's saying you're the perfect person for them. I mean, you know, and, uh, and so God has trusted you with them. Learn who your sphere of influence is and start praying over your sphere of influence. Second thing, when we identify that sphere of influence, we want to meet them in their place of need. We want to meet them in their place of need. I mean, as you talk with them, as you, as you get to know people, I mean, you're going to know. You, got, you might have somebody that you know that needs a little food. we got food we can give away. You might know somebody that just needs a little help at work. They need an encouraging word. Maybe they need some help at their house or something. And, and so you can find these needs and meet them. Look what Paul said. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. We've got to share each other's burdens. That's what he's saying, isn't it? We've got needs. People have needs. We want to share those. And, uh, you know, and so uh, when, when you see a person's need, we want to come alongside them and share that. That's why we do food giveaways. That's why we did this food giveaway. We advertised it. We had people lined up all the way up to La Palco on, uh, up uh, Peters Road and everything because they needed food at the time we were able to give it away. And, and, uh, and, and so we've been able to help people get jobs. Uh, you know, and, and, and we give away food with fuel of the future to needy families all the time. Uh, you know, it may, be, it may be that you're meeting emotional needs. Somebody just needs an encouraging word. Anybody in here besides me, you've ever needed an encouraging word from somebody? Well, guess what? You've got people all around you that need you 
to give them an encouraging word. Maybe, uh, maybe I just need somebody to listen or to, to help guide them, to give them some direction. Spiritual needs. I mean, how many of you, I've never run, well, I have one time run into one person that didn't want prayer. Slammed the door in my face. I was, I was learning uh, a door-to-door witnessing thing, and, and this one lady, she said, no, we don't pray, and slammed the door. It's like right here. So, man, that's the only person I've ever, I never in all my life, besides that one person, had somebody who wouldn't accept prayer. We ask people all the time when we're eating out, uh, and uh, either Kathy or I will say, uh, you know, hey, we're pastors. We like to pray for our waitresses. Is there anything we can pray for? And, and nobody's ever really said no. Some of them say, well, I'm, I'm pretty good, but you, you can pray for me to be blessed or whatever, more money, or pray for my mama. Or one lady sat down and started crying. She get ready to leave her husband. I mean, you know, it was like terrible, you know. And, and so we, you just pray. I mean, there people have spiritual needs that they need people to, to pray for and come alongside. Jesus wants us to get up next to people and share their burdens with them. And that's what he's talking about. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, we obey the law of Christ, which is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love them the way God loved them. You know, and Jesus wants us to do that. Let me read this passage, Matthew 25, 34 uh, through 40. He says this. The king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And so he gives you some things there that, that he's saying, when you came to visit me in prison, when you came to see me in the hospital, and you gave me some clothes, when you gave me some food, he said, uh, you know, you did this to me. And then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when would we ever see you hungry? And feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink. Or a stranger and show you hospitality. Or naked and give you clothing. When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to the least of these my brothers and sisters. You're doing it to me. So we come alongside people. And we love them. And we help meet their needs. Now here's the thing. You might, you might think that when you give somebody an encouraging word somewhere. It's no big deal. You might think, no, that's not a big deal, you know, but you don't know who you're talking to. It might change their life. It could change thousands of other lives. You might, you might, you, you know, you just don't know who you're talking to. Years ago, there was a Sunday school teacher named Edward Kimball who took seriously the command of Christ to go out and win souls. Now, Kimball didn't really know how to witness or lead somebody to Christ, but he did the best he could. He had a 19-year-old boy in his class that was lost, and this Sunday school teacher visited that boy at his job. The boy worked at a shoe, as a shoe salesman in a shoe store. And Kimball went to the shoe store where the boy worked, then went back into the, to the back where the shoe stacks were. And, and there he had, laid a trembling hand on the shoulder of that, that young shoe clerk, and, and he pressed the claims of Jesus Christ upon that boy. And, and the shoe clerk wanted to receive Christ, and he repented of his sin, and he was saved. And because he was saved, he wanted to go to his local church, and he told them, I've become a Christian. I want to be a member of this church. I don't know. He must have been a bad kid, but the church didn't receive him. <laughs> the church thought, well, he doesn't know enough. Perhaps he's not sincere enough. It, it took him one year for that church to allow Dwight L. Moody to become a member of that church. If you've heard of Dwight L. Moody, he's impacted Christianity like almost no other. 
Now, he was kind of the Billy Graham of his day. Few men in history have done what Dwight Moody's done. But Dwight L. Moody had such a burden for souls that he began to organize Sunday schools in Chicago. And he, uh, and he got boys and girls and he had unique methods of getting them to come out and made it fun, you know. And they'd hear the gospel. And he became so effective that he was asked to go overseas and preach in England. And he went overseas and he was invited to the church of F.B. Meyer. Uh, and F.B. Meyer is a, got an imposing name. His full name is Frederick Brotherton Meyer. I'd go by F.B. too. And he was, a, he was cultured. He was a learned, you know, British guy, very proper. And when Moody got up in his pulpit, Moody had no seminary training, no college training, and he murdered the king's English, all right? And so, uh, you know, and uh, he didn't just disappoint the king. He murdered the king's English. And, uh, and uh, he was one of the few men that would pronounce the word Jerusalem in two syllables, as, as said about him. And as he preached, he, uh, he used some what we'd call tearjerker stories today. He, he told some stories, and, and man, it, it started moving on some people's heart. But Meyer was sitting there going, he's just in a slow burn. I can't believe I let this hillbilly American in my pulpit. And, uh, and, then, and, then, uh, and, and so he was, he, was, uh, he was angry about it until he ran into somebody from his church. And, uh, and a lady in his church, and, and he said, how are you doing this afternoon? She said, wonderful. Since Moody's been here, I've been able to win every girl in my Sunday school class to faith in Jesus Christ. I'm so excited. And, and, and F.B. Uh, uh, Meyer had to have an attitude change, you know, and he testified that a transformation took place in his life because of D.L. Moody. This was a guy who's already a pastor. Later, F.B. Meyer came to the United States and was preaching, He's preaching at a college, and he was preaching on total surrender. It was a Christian college. There were students there for ministry. But he was talking about giving everything to Jesus. And he said something like this, If you're not willing to give everything to Jesus Christ tonight, would you at least come this far? Would you say, Oh, God, I'm not willing, but I am willing to be made willing. Would you at least tell him that? And there was a young man sitting out there, and his name was Wilbur Chapman. Wilbur Chapman decided that night to give everything to God. And he said, God, I know I'm studying for the ministry, but I haven't given you everything. And he said, tonight, I want to give you everything. And so he began going around with F.B. Meyer, and, and, uh, and, and, he, and, he, and, and God changed his life. Wilbur Chapman became a mighty, flaming evangelist for the Lord, whose life had been touched by F.B. Meyer, and you just go on back up that list. Chapman was used mightily across the, the continent or around the United States. He needed a helper, and... So he found a young man named Billy Sunday who was a clerk. He had been a professional baseball player, was now working as a clerk. And Billy Sunday started to work with Chaplin, uh, Chapman. He went around helping him with the crusades, and he would do the counseling when people would come up. And, and uh, he'd help put up the tent and set out the chairs and do all that. And, and uh, when Chapman finally got ready to retire, uh, Billy Sunday took over his ministry. Billy Sunday had no training, didn't know how to put together a sermon or anything like that. But he took Wilbur Chapman's sermons and did a better job with them than Wilbur Chapman did. And he just preached those sermons and had great results. In 1924, Billy Sunday came to Charlotte, North Carolina and held a crusade. And there in Charlotte, they had a spiritual upheaval as many people came to faith in Christ. Then the Depression hit and, and, and a lot of people thought it was God's judgment on America. And there were a group of people out of that Billy Sunday crusade that began to pray for God to revive bring revival to Charlotte. And a guy named Mordecai Ham came and preached a crusade there. And he preached and preached. And one night, 
a tall, lanky kid that had been brought by a farmhand that bribed him. He said, I'll let you drive the truck if you'll go to this crusade. Walked down the aisle, and Billy Graham gave his life to Jesus Christ. I read a thing today that said Billy Graham was up over 2.4 billion people that have heard him preach. All because a Sunday school teacher went to a shoe store. You don't know who you're talking to. And let me tell you what, if it hadn't been for Edward Kimball, none of us would be here because I wouldn't be here. Because I was saved in ministry of Billy Graham, he started Youth for Christ, an organization that I was part of, and that's how I came to faith in Christ. And so you don't know who you're talking to. You don't know who you're talking to. So we want to meet them at their point of need, wherever that is. And then number three, we want to point them to Jesus and to his church. I believe that, that God, God ordained the church. He ordained the local church. And we need to point people to Jesus. One thing I was proud of in Youth for Christ, even though it was a parachurch ministry, we were committed to the church and to churches. There are ministries that aren't. I believe God wants us in a church, working in a church, the body of Christ. We point people to Jesus. I mean, we, we don't serve. It's not about us. We don't go serving to build a following for us. We point people to Jesus, the one who deserves a following. Jesus said this. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. I can't do any of that. But Jesus can. That's why we point to Jesus. He said, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. I give you his light. See, man, we just point people to Jesus, and he takes care of people. So if you're tired, if you're fighting a fight, if you're, if you're struggling with depression, anxiety, fear, whatever it is, you give it to, we point you to Jesus. I, I, that's, that's all I got. I'm going to point you to him. I'm going to point you to him. And see, we, that's, why we, that's why we do food, so people can come know Jesus. That's why we give food down the street, so people can come know Jesus. That's why we gave away 45,000 pounds of food Last year, we'll do something like that again. I mean, we'll, we're going to do things. Why? Because we want them to have Jesus, know Jesus. That's why we do a fall festival. We want to give opportunity to be able to lead somebody to faith in Jesus. It's all about pointing them to Jesus. Psalm, the psalmist said this, but the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong. Listen, in Scripture, when you see palm trees, that's blessing. That's, 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 in other words, we're going to flourish. We're going to be healthy. We're going to grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. Before we're, look, it says, for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. We're taken out of the kingdom of darkness and put in the kingdom of heaven. We're transferred into God's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they'll still produce fruit. They'll remain vital and green. They will declare the Lord is just. He is my rock and there is no evil in him. Listen, the godly will be healthy because we take them out of the world and we plant them in God's house. We take them out of addiction and strongholds and we set them free in God's house. So people we serve and will serve, we want to see them plugged into the kingdom of God and begin to produce fruit. And that means we point them to Jesus and and we point them into a church. It's important, both of those.
So what's the promise of freedom tonight? We wrap up Galatians 6. You've got to know your sphere of influence. You've got to meet them at their point of need and then point them to Jesus and his church. Listen, if you do those things right there, you're going to impact people. You're going to impact people like never before. You just, you just, uh, you know, just go out. Know your spirit just with the people you know. Start there. This isn't like Amway where you want to go to everybody but the people you know, right? You know what I mean? And uh, you go, man, I got the greatest opportunity for you. Well, go tell all your friends and family. No, no, I don't want them to know. Start with the people you know. Be an influence to the people you know. Galatians 6, 7 says this. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Guys, we want to we harvest a good harvest. And here's what, here's what Paul says. He says, those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. So when we're living for ourselves and not for God, we're going to harvest decay and death. Spiritual death, physical death and, and bad health, emotional problems, spirit, mental problems. That's what happens when we live for ourselves. But then he says, but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. That's a whole lot better than the first one, wouldn't you say? And then he says this, one of my favorite verses. Because of that, so let's not get tired of doing what's good at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we, don't do good, if we don't give up. So if you keep doing the right things, if you keep living for the Spirit, by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, you're going to reap a harvest of blessing. It may seem hard right now. You may be going through the struggle. But if you keep doing the right things, Paul is saying, there's a harvest out there for you. And so it's, it's going to be there. He said, if you don't give up, there's a harvest coming. So we've got to be able to do that. So write this last blank down, because I know how y'all are about your blanks. Choose freedom every day. Don't swing back over into that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't swing back over there trying to be good enough. You can't be good enough. Stay over here in the tree of life where you recognize what God has done in your life. And you're grateful for what God has done in your life. And then we'll begin to... I, Share that. You know, when, when you get filled up with love, guess what comes out? Love. You get excited about Jesus. Some of y'all have been so much fun watching what God's done in your life because you get excited and you're telling everybody, everybody you know. And, uh, and, and they're going, oh, man, here comes Larry again. He's all excited about Jesus, you know. And, and, or, or here comes Fred. Oh, man. And, they, you know, and, and so they're, and, but guess what, man? That's what happens. I've known, we've got people in our congregation that have shared Jesus with people at work, been laughed at, ridiculed, and complained about, and then when somebody in their family gets hurt bad, guess who they call for prayer? That person that they're making fun of. You know, and so you get out there, know your sphere of influence. Meet them at their point of need. It might not be where you think it is, but you pay attention to what their point of need is, and then point them to Jesus and his church. Bow your heads, close your eyes. All of this starts with having a relationship with Jesus. We've, we've talked about grace, that we're saved by grace. Jesus died on a cross so we could be set free. Not so we could live under the law, not so we could 
could um, try to be good enough. He did everything on the cross. Let me tell you something. I told Larry this earlier. His daddy's in heaven. There's no purgatory. Read the Bible. There's no purgatory. His daddy's in heaven. Why? Because what Jesus did on the cross was all that was needed. And his daddy knew Jesus. And Larry told his family, he said, look, if the blood of Jesus didn't get him there, sitting in a garden waiting on the water to wash him clean ain't going to get him there. You know, the blood of Jesus. Jesus died on a cross for you and for me so we could have forgiveness of our sin, so we can turn our life to him, and so he can set us free. You don't have to worry. You don't have to strive to be good enough. You don't have to be cleaned up. You don't have to get rid of your tattoos. You don't have to cut your hair. You don't have to do any of that. You just got to allow Jesus to come into your life. You got to say, Lord, I'm tired of doing it on my own. I need you in my life. I don't know about you. That's where I was at one point. I was just tired of trying to walk the fence, trying to to be good, trying to do it on my own. I was frustrated. I was angry. I said, Lord, I, I need something. I need you. You may, that may be you tonight. You're just, you're tired of trying. You're tired of fighting. Fight. You're just like, man, it's gotta, it's gotta be something. It's gotta be easier. It is. You receive Jesus. You receive Jesus as your Savior. You invite Him to come into your life. You repent of your sins. And you, you, Say, as best I can, I'm going to give you control over my life. And you allow him to do that. And here's what happens. He forgives you of your sin. You're moved out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, which means you're part of the family of God. You are a child of God. You're no longer a slave to sin. Jesus is your big brother. So pray this prayer with me, if you would, in your seat silently, wherever you are. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. I live my life my way, and not yours. Jesus, please forgive me of all my sin. Come into my life. Be my Savior, and be my Lord. As best I can, Jesus, I give you control over my life. Take every single area of my life, Jesus. And change me. Make me into the person you want me to be. Give me the strength to follow you every single day. Help me walk in your love. Fill me up, Jesus. Love. Take my hatred. Take my anger. Take my, my bitterness. Fill me up with love. Let it flow out to other people so I'll stop hurting other people. Jesus' name, I pray that. If you prayed that, God just wiped your slate clean. Jesus came into your heart in the form of the Holy Spirit. He forgave you of your sins. And now you're a child of God. He wants you to grow. Pastor Kathy mentioned a little while ago. We want you to grow up, get strong in the Lord. And that's why we'll do things like the 21 days of prayer that are coming up August 1st. We'll have prayer guides for you. We're going to do a teaching on prayer. That's the most practical thing I've ever seen for your evening prayer time. And, um, 
And so I, I think you'll, we'll hand that out so you'll have it. You can use it as a pattern just to help you pray. How many of you, you'd like your prayer life to be a little bit better? You know, we're going to be coming out of summer, you know, and, and fall. I love the fall. Anybody besides me like the fall? It's got nothing to do with the saints. I mean, you know, it's got the air feels different when you get into fall, right? When, the, when it gets cool, that first cool front, I'm always looking for that first cool front because it chases away hurricanes, right? You know, but it's, it's always nice. And so we're going to start with 21 days of prayer to refocus coming out of the summer, out of vacation. We want to refocus on the Lord. And so we'll have some things to pray about. And, and we're not fasting. January, we'll pray and fast. You know, prayer and fasting. August, prayer and feasting. Uh, you know, so uh, we'll, keep, we'll keep eating. But we're going to pray 21 days of prayer. And, uh, and let me tell you, I think when you spend 21 days in prayer, you're going to hear from God. You're going to hear from God. Matter of fact, next, next Wednesday, we're going to be talking about preparing to hear. Preparing to hear from God. You need to be here and you need to get people here. So let me pray for you before we sing a song and, and close out. Lord, I just pray as we prepare to leave here, God. Lord, help us to learn and know our sphere of influence. Help us to learn what their needs are and to be able to meet them at their point of need. And Lord, simply connect them to you, point them to you and to church, God. Help fill us up in a way that we just get so excited it's flowing out of us. It's flowing out of us. Let it just overflow into other people's lives with that sphere of influence you've given us. We'll give you all the glory for it, God. In Jesus' name. Just a moment after we sing, I, I want everybody to make sure you have filled out a connection card, everybody in the room, and you'll turn that in to an usher at either door, but we don't leave until we're finished singing, all right? And uh, so you turn those, turn those cards in, and we want to worship the Lord, and then we'll leave, and uh, you turn those connection cards in, and we want to see you Sunday. Sunday, we're going to have a great service as well. We're going to be talking about honor. One thing that's missing in our culture is honor. Uh, we don't treat people with honor. We don't have honorable people around. We're going to talk about honor and uh, honoring God as well. So come on out, son. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power.